Hey, how you doing? It's Clayton here from HowToDrawComics.net, and welcome to today's episode of the HTDC podcast. Now, it has been a few weeks. Um, we've been uh, we've been rather absent, and now we're kind of doing our. This is our return, essentially. And joining me is Ed Foychuk, my trusty co-host. Woohoo! Hey, Ed, how you doing, man? I'm sick, man, and maybe that's part of the reason why we've taken a few weeks off here. Yes, among other things, which we'll probably get into in this episode, right, no right, doubt. Right. And uh, Rick, our other uh, co-host, may be here in a little bit. Maybe he'll uh, uh, say hello. We'll see. It'll be a treat if he does, but uh, if not, it'll just be me and cool. Ed rocking it. Right so um, why have we been away so long? Well, uh, as You've many... been busy, I know. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been very busy with the Superheroines course, Many right, of the I saw have... you got it out, man. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it out finally. It's been a good six months. You hit your deadline, man. I, I was pretty proud of you. You said it at what March 10th, I think it was, right? Yes. Well, it was. Uh, it was actually my third deadline that I hit. <laughs> initially, <laughs> initially it was uh, November sometime or December last year. It was supposed to come out, and then I pushed it uh, forward to or oh, back. Sorry to um would have been yeah march one and then march 10 it eventually came out so it was a bit of a delay but you know i really wanted this to be something that was high quality and i was i'm moderately happy with it you know i don't think an artist is ever fully happy with the amount of work that they put into their creations but we got to let it go at some point and uh give it to the masses and whether they eat us alive or not is a is a whole other thing that we have no control over unfortunately (laughs) And we all know, you know, projects don't always hit deadlines and stuff like that, right? But I got to ask, if you were to say one thing that slowed you down on this, that really, like, you know, stopped you from hitting that November, then December deadline and stuff like that, could you say that one thing that it was? Yeah, and I think this is this one thing is something that plagues comic book artists, musicians, writers, um, every creator essentially that exists, and it is perfectionism man i was it it feels like a uh a psychological like mental condition of some kind where you just keep on repeating the same thing over and over again like a broken record because you're not satisfied with it yet and it's it's these really like minute details that only you as the creator will ever see and the differences are so slight sometimes to the point where I'll look back at some of the rehashes that I've done on some of these courses or even artworks that I've kind of gone back and revisited. And the the changes are almost unnoticeable to me after some time has passed. So it really is something where you get stuck into this rut in, inside your own mind. And it's just, it's really difficult to get out of without distancing yourself to an extent. I can see that, man. Yeah, I man. bet you, you know, I can almost picture you doing this. You go and look at it and you're like, okay, you know, I'm viewing, let's say, version one. Yep. And then you're like, hold on, is that version two? Yeah. No, no, hold on. Version three looks the same. What, what's different? You know, it, it, they're so close to each other and stuff like that. And you're like, why did I do it again? Why did I redo yeah. this? You know? Totally. And, and, you know, it's funny because there is some justification to it, especially because when you do see those jumps in in quality like it actually does level up and it looks way better and you're almost thankful that you went back and you redid it and it's going to be the almost its perfect form right and um i bet i think you know there is a there comes a point when it becomes just this monotonous cycle that never ends if you don't cut it off at some point what about yourself ed have you did you ever deal with that you seem to be somebody who just churn stuff out to an, and I'm talking about your comics, you know, I'm talking about your courses, not badly. I mean, you get them done, Uh, right? Okay. So here's the lesson. The lesson you're learning is one that I learned from my buddies. Um, I had some friends growing up in high school that were, uh, performers, right. And they ended up getting on like the Canadian MTV type of thing, like much music and stuff. And they had concerts and all this stuff. And I was, hanging out with them all the time and watching their rehearsals and stuff. And, and then when we went to the shows, you know, they'd be banging it out or whatever and stuff. Right. And the crowd loved it. You know, I, the, the, the crew would come up to me later. They're like, Oh man, did you see that? I'm like, yeah, I saw you missed that. And you didn't come in at this point or whatever and stuff. Right. But the only reason I knew that was because I had seen 
the hundred practices that led up to it, right? Mm. The people in front, they just enjoyed the show. Yeah. You know, like unless it was a real huge flub, mm-hmm. they loved it. And so that kind of made me realize is like, you know, you can get stuck in the details and you don't want to just always be winging it and stuff like that. But there is a certain amount of that is like, listen, just get it done. Do the best you can at that time mm. and move on because otherwise you do get, you know, you get all twisted up in yourself and stuff like that, you know. And if you do that when you're on a stage or recording a class or whatever, you know, how many times, like if I'm recording a class and I, all of a sudden I start to, once I make one mistake, mm. boom, 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 you start hitting all these, you're like, beep, beep edit you know you keep hitting the pause button or whatever it is and stuff like that because you you just start getting in your own head on it and stuff like that right yeah totally man. um I, i'm not saying that you know like i, I never get hit by it or, or people don't or shouldn't but I, I, i'm saying i understand it but i think i've also understood the value of keep the show rolling yeah and uh you know like fix it on the next show or something like that or or make note but don't get tripped up by it I think you have to, man, to be a functioning artist who wants to make a career out of this stuff. And, you know, that's the really interesting part about it is that when you do have a deadline to reach or you're working for someone else, I find that I'm much less of a perfectionist. I'm really only a perfectionist when I've got the opportunity to be a perfectionist. And usually that's when I'm working for myself, right? right? Um, Because that's your deadline. Yeah, that's my deadline. And my deadline can always be moved by me. Uh, because I'm the kind of guy right. in charge. And, and you can shift it. Yeah, and I think what makes it worse is I put my creativity first ahead of the, the money that I can make from it necessarily. So I'm, I'm a really bad businessman. Yeah. I'm a really bad scheduler. <laughs> and I, I, I literally said this to the list of people who were waiting for the superheroines course to come out. I said, listen, guys, like... I'm notoriously terrible at, at scheduling this stuff out, and, and I'm very, very sorry about that. But, you know, I'm working on it every single day from, like, 9 in the morning till 9, 10 at night, and uh, I'm putting a lot of time into it. It's coming, I promise. It'll be worth it, you know? Um, it's astonishing the amount of time I put into some things. It's not financially viable, except in the long term, maybe. Um, but I, And it's funny because I don't really care about that. It. It's much more yeah, satisfying cool. to me that people get that's... what they were looking for out of that course or that piece of art that I, I shared with them, you know? What were you going to say? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I just imagine that, yeah, I can hear you. Like, uh, you know, whether we're looking at art, a course, um, a comic book or whatever it is, you know, like... I, I think there's better ways to make money. <laughs> and we've gone well, over the ways to make money. There are ways to make money doing art. Mm. But I'm sure if we ask any other any artist, they'll be like, yeah, I could have made more money if I would have done different things and mm. stuff like that, right? But that's not the reason we're doing it, and that's not the reason most are doing it, right? Yeah, well, it is interesting because I think that the the one the, one of the many things that you have going for you Ed is you're a brilliant businessman in my opinion you know you're very good at selling your art and and the things that you're able to create so coming from that business mindset and I'm not sure like correct me if I'm wrong like maybe I'm totally off point here but you know you seem to have this business mindset how do you how does that kind of relate with your art how does it cause you to think about your art as a product I think. Um I'm going to say thank you, but I'm going to slightly disagree mm-hmm. with you. I yep. think there's a difference between a business mindset and the hustle. Oh, yeah. Very at true. least this is my mind and stuff like that. Maybe it's scope or something like that, right? Because I grew up pretty poor. And so hmm. being poor, I had to hustle. You know, and what I'm saying is, like, you know, I was always trying to make money or trying to figure out a way to make money or try to figure out a way to pay that rent or something like that. Like, I, I was living on my own when I was, like, what 15 or 16 and stuff right so it was always a matter of the hustle always a way to see okay well how can i you know whether it was working a couple jobs or something or you know um you know i'd work for example i'd go to school when i was in university i'd i'd go into work in the mornings go to school in the afternoons uh go back to work in a grocery store i was a manager in in the late afternoons evenings shut the store at 10 and then go work in the nightclubs until 3 a.m or something right like it was always the hustle and so 
I, when it comes to being a good businessman, I think I, I won't claim that title at all because I think yeah. that that goes into a larger scope of what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like for example, like getting I don't know investments and oh yeah, uh, you know insurances and all, all these kind of things and stuff like that. But when it comes to the hustle of like saying, okay, well, nobody's going to take care of me unless I take care of me. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean, nobody's going to sell my stuff unless I sell my stuff. Nobody's going to sell me unless I sell me. Right. Mm. I'm the only one that, that will sell me. And so I better do, I better get on it. You know, I can't depend on other people to, to pay my rent for me or whatever it is. Right. Mm. So, so, I guess that's a, if, if that makes sense, you know, people that know the hustle, I think understand what I'm saying. It's not like, it's not like I'm a great businessman that I would ever know how to, I have been a manager. I have uh, run businesses and stuff, but it's more about like, I just know how to hustle. Yeah. And does that, I don't know. Can you tell the difference between those? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I totally relate, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, investments and, and that kind of thing, shares and whatnot, that's on a whole other right, level. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah. man, I got to say, when you said, uh, the, when you threw out the line, you're the only one who can depend on your, like you are the only one you can depend on at the end of the day. hundred yeah. percent true, man. Like I, yep. I, that is the philosophy that I live by. You know, if you don't do it, no one else will like your dreams, no matter how big they are. Like if you want to actually make them a reality in your lifetime, then you've got to get up and hustle. Like you were saying, because absolutely everybody else out there that uh, it's funny because I think we do live in a bit of a world and I don't want to get too much into this because there's a, a lot of different frames of mind you can take with it. But I do think hmm. that the existence of handouts is, is really a big fallacy you know, I don't think that you can go throughout life expecting handouts or, you know, opportunities to just be thrown at your feet. I do think that they happen 100%, but you can never really predict them and you've got to know when to take them, right? It's all about the timing. Right, and the odds are against you. The, the odds are against you. And so really it's the difference between living at the effect of your life and taking action and actually being the the person who sculpts your life in the vision that you want it to ultimately become and especially especially yeah. when you're talking about creators comic book creators artists of any kind um, you really want to make sure that you have a firm belief in that that hey you, you don't have necessarily have to work that nine to five at a job that you hate going to every day and, and feel like you're you, you know you're not really fulfilling your life's purpose you can actually mm-hmm. fulfill those dreams but yep. it's going to take think, some some strong thinking and strategizing in order to execute it. Agreed. I was going to say, you know, in this day and age, like whether we're talking about different types of artists, like my buddies that were in music back in the days and stuff like that, like back then, whether you're a comic book artist or a musician or whatever, the big thing was to be kept you know, picked up by a label, right? You yeah. know, if, if, if a big label yeah. picked you up, if a big company picked you, to, picked you up, then you'd be possibly not even guaranteed but possibly making money right Mm -hmm. and that was like winning the lottery even getting it's not even a guarantee that you'd be making money because some of those groups went bankrupt and stuff you know but at least you'd be like it was like but it was still like winning the lotto right Mm -hmm. it was just so massive and stuff like that whereas in now in this day and age Mm -hmm. you know somebody could put up something on youtube or on howtodrawcomics.net (laughs) <laughs> or on Facebook or wherever, you know, and goddamn, you could blow up on your own, you know, and I, I love that. I love that ability that we yeah. have more power in our hands. It's still, listen, the odds are still not in our favor and stuff, but if you have a solid product and you run a solid Kickstarter or something like that mm. and you deliver on it, you yeah. know, you can make more money. And, and I've seen some of these numbers, you know, guys yeah. have said, listen, I published through Image and I sold 50,000 copies on image or whatever. And I published in my Kickstarter and money in the pocket. I made more and money off my Kickstarter. That's you know, amazing. and so some of the self self-made stuff nowadays is the fucking bomb. I love it, man. I'm sorry to swear, but I just get so excited about it. It's like, listen, there's so much that we can do for ourselves nowadays with the internet that we just mm-hmm. got to grab onto it. Right. Absolutely, man. And I'm super pumped about that as well. I've, I've come to the conclusion that this really is the age of the creator and there has never been a better time to, to be an artist. I mean, it's I agree. 
it is a commodity that you can do so much with. If you're a comic book artist, there's the next best thing to doing a comic book is storyboarding, which you know earns you a little bit more money actually. But uh, there's also a ton of jobs around that want you to to you to utilize the skills that it would take to create a visual narrative right yep and then you know i just did up a, a few commissions recently one of them included a, a cd cover for for a friend of mine who does music you know speaking of which there you go. um yep and you know he's trying but to think of our reach now as well yeah like think of the reach we have now and stuff like that like the commissions mm. i get commissions from all over the world and stuff like that right and you know working on projects that i would have never thought of and yeah i i think of that growing up as a kid like what what would I have done to even come close to this? Send in a, a few samples to to Marvel, you know, and, yeah. and and what would they do? Or you know, like how would I have ever done anything close to anything like this? Right? You know, it's this day and age that enables us through the internet and stuff to really really accomplish so much. It's it's just freaking awesome, man. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't really realize it, but I tell you what, man, if you're driven and you've got a vision inside your mind you're set like it will it's inevitably going to happen as long as you just keep on moving forward and yeah. i 100% believe that for anyone who's listening man think about the thing that you would most love to do and you know if you're listening to this podcast it's probably a comic book or working for a comic book publisher i mean yeah. heck the the reality of being able to start your own publisher isn't that far publishing company isn't that far of a stretch these days I think the online world will make it easier and easier and easier to do that as well, to release your own comic books. Now, oh, sure. there's a little bit of a stigma against digital content, um, specifically books and, and comic books and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think as that evolves and people become more accustomed to it, you know, like it's just more convenient to carry around your phone or your, your iPad or your tablet and and you know look at things on the internet and if you're already looking at those things on the train to work or you know just in in your lounge room while there's an ad on television yeah you know i mean most people don't even watch tv anymore they're watching youtube right so exactly. if you're there on that platform and you've got access to your digital comic book on it like you can literally carry around your comic book collection on your person at all times i mean yep. that just seems amazing to me that's just convenience in a nutshell and that's what netflix did right and i think you can have both do you know what i mean like mm. if i'm producing a comic book and and we see it in all the kickstarters and stuff i get you know digital copy is included blah 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 and you know here's the individual issues printed mm. for like 30 bucks or whatever for three issues or for whatever it is and then the trade paperback will come out you know later in the year you know you can cover it on all all sides of this now and you know like the the ease of going to a commercial printer mm -hmm. with with your your files and stuff and just say hey listen I've got this already formatted I've got twenty four pages you know I want a glossy cover blah 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 or if there, if you're in a city that don't have really great printers or anything like that you send those files online and they'll ship the comics to you like it's just so awesome man heck yeah man I love it and and I love getting together with you and talking about this stuff too because dude I get excited. Um, and it's it's fun kind of riffing like this as well. We thought it'd be a, a good way to kind of break the ice since we've had a few weeks off from the podcast, um, both for us, Ed, yeah. and uh, it's, it's been a while since we've had a chat. And uh, true, also true. the listeners out there, I mean, it's, it's it's great to have you guys back and hopefully <laughs> hopefully there's still a, a few of you there. Yeah, man, I got to say, like this virus hit me about 10 days back or something and it just, mm. it ruined me. I... I was in the middle of doing this new course, uh, perspectives and backgrounds, right? Yeah, teaching perspective, right? And yep, and I just lost my voice. I was like, it went, it was semi-normal, whatever. And then uh, it was like I hit a second <laughs> puberty or something. And I was all over the octaves, right? And yeah. and then it was just gone. Like I was just like, whatever. So it's mm. Netflix and ill. I'm just gonna chill. <laughs> Netflix and ill. I love that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. And and I can Which hear that it's. Netflix and ill is not nearly as cool as Netflix and chill, man. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. No. Um, a lot but, more phlegm. Yeah, you know what? you got to take the time to recover sometimes. And I think, uh, you know, for people making courses, people making comic books, people making anything, uh, you know, I'm sure musicians suffer from this a lot as well. Um, I know oh, I've sure. suffered from it as a teacher. There was this one time... 
Um, back in my uh, when I was, you know, actively, very actively working as a as a uni teacher, and I just had I was had, there was one time where I had three classes back to back, and each class ran for three hours, so it was a nine hour oh. day of just talking and and demonstrating. That's a hard thing. Yeah, it was hard, man, and I didn't even have a cold, but I ended up losing my voice. It was terrible. Like I was sitting there in the classroom, and I didn't know what to tell these students. I couldn't almost tell them nothing because I had no voice left. But yep. it is important to kind of put that recovery time in and and make sure that you're looking after yourself physically. You know, I know we're bouncing around a little bit as far as the topics are concerned, but all of this stuff applies and. I'll tell you yep. one thing, when I was going to university, actually, and I was studying video games back then, but within that video games course, I did a lot of concept art, and that concept art was in the style of comic book art. So I was inking over the top of cool. it and designing these wicked-looking characters. At the time, I was a very big Capullo fan, so you can imagine the detail I was trying to implement into them. And sure. uh, what do you know? I ended up getting hit by the good old RSI. Um, repetitive strain injury in my wrist and uh oh yeah yeah dude yeah, yeah. it messed me up too like i couldn't even i don't know if i can still comfortably do push-ups anymore with a flat hand just because it my wrist has become weakened by it and i now, remember did you ever watch those videos i posted up about uh <laughs> how to massage your wrist and palms and stuff i sure did man i thought that was a brilliant okay. video as well and and very uh very something which is very that's what I'm looking for. Um, helpful? <laughs> helpful to, to artists. Yeah, you know, re relative, related to, to what we do. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, I got to say, like, artists just trash their bodies without, <laughs> like, how can it passively trash their bodies? Let's say it that way. They don't take care of them. Yeah, it's true, man. I mean, if you don't look after yourself and, you know, I'm sitting very upright here and uh, making sure yeah. that I've got a straight back and whatnot. And, nice. um you know, going to the gym a little bit more regularly now, I specifically focused on my back because before that I had curved shoulders and a curved spine. Yep. And if you, yep. and of course that's from leaning over and drawing all day. So if you don't look yep. after yourself, you know, you can end up very, very like looking like an old man or woman by the time you're, you know, 40, 50, when really you should be fit and healthy. Yeah, you'd think, you know, uh, when we compare it to occupations like a construction worker or whatever, you'd think that, oh, well, you know, it's not, it's low impact to that type of stuff. But mm. any job that has you in a particular pattern mm. and artists, you know, artists don't just sit there for two hours. Mm -mm -mm. You know, artists sit there for, I know it's easy for me to go eight to 10 without moving, you know, and by the time I do move, it's like, <laughs> you know, it sounds like a transformer. <laughs> Yeah, uh, 80s uh, sound effect, right? Like it's totally. just like I'm all crunched up in this and stuff. So you know, like mm. even if you look at a cashier in a grocery store, they'll get them switching uh, registers and stuff so that they can, you know, turn to the left, turn to the right. You know, they switch up sides and everything. They're able to lift one leg, put it on a stool, back down again because otherwise you're gonna have workers out on workers' comp, right? Yeah, big time, man. A hundred percent. It, it, you know, I would even argue that construction workers and, and people like that, you know, of course, they do suffer their, their own kind of injuries. But, I mean, they've got that wider range of movement. Like you were saying, it's really yep. the repetition yep. of doing the exact same thing yep. over and over again. And, you know, when you've got that firm grip on your stylus, your pen or your pencil, and you've got it, like, tensed for a large amount of time that – and oftentimes – the cool thing about being a comic book artist is that time just flies, right? Like the day is gone totally. without you looking up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all of a sudden your hand is just like throbbing, right? Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This reminds me of a video that I uh, checked out recently on YouTube by an artist called ZHC. Um, I'm not sure okay. what his full name is. I think it's Zach possibly. I'm probably getting that wrong. But he did hmm. this he's got a very David Finch style, right? So David Finch, again, another very intricate artist. But yep. he did a, a video on YouTube that went for 24 hours, right? Holy crap. 24 hours without eating. Yeah. Um, I think he, he had a bottle that he was peeing in. So he was really committed to this video, <laughs> no right? It was, it was on him constantly. Um, so yeah, just look him up, ZHC, you'll find him. Uh, he's okay. just been... I've you know, actually heard of him. 
Yeah, yeah. He, he's been getting tons and tons of subscribers from from doing these kind of videos, which are just super out there and you know constantly leveling up. Um, but yeah, I was you know by the end, he his hand was just annihilated, like blisters and and red and throbbing and swelling, and it really was a great example of the extreme of of where you can take this to. And the impact well, I it hope can have it was on your worth body. it. I don't know what he made off of that, or if he made money or anything like that. But if he's gonna put his mm. body through it, I hope he made something. Well, I, I, he was doing an illustration of PewDiePie, and uh, PewDiePie saw it, and you know, gave him a mention on his channel. And as many of you listening probably know, PewDiePie is a very big YouTuber. So you know, it was a great form of promotion for him. He's very smart to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Okay, if you mention that, then. You know, that's coming from the number one YouTuber or whatever. You're going to get all the press you've ever dreamed of, pretty oh, much. Yeah. You know, millions of people watching you or hearing of you and stuff like that off of that. So totally. good for him. Totally. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think that one of the uh, original topics that we were going to cover today, actually, before we decided it was going to be uh, more fun to just talk off the cuff like this, was, you know, pro- going. how do you go about promoting your art? And I know that we've touched on it before and in the many ways that you're able to do it, but... I mean, just, you know, hitting on this topic again, it's it's an amazing thing that we're able to make these connections with super, super famous people these days yep. and yep. kind of almost partner up and collaborate with them in a mutually beneficial way. I think it's a new form of marketing for sure and promoting your artwork as a creator because creators seem to be the people who are able to take advantage of it most at this particular time. What do you say to that, Ed? Do you think that's a that's oh, a thing? Am I under something there? I've, yeah, I've seen it happen. Like I saw one of my buddies, he was doing some this was over on Pencil Jack. We were doing some like uh challenges and he did something for Game of Thrones and he got picked up by Game of Thrones. You are he kidding. ended up doing their uh, their DVD work. Yeah, the artwork inside their DVDs. I don't know which seasons, but I think he did a couple seasons worth. No and way. so, yeah, my buddy David did that and then another guy I uh, just randomly posted up some uh, Rick and Morty fan art or something like that. And then the creators of the show uh, loved it. And then his Instagram blew up from it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just sometimes that's almost like what we talked about before was getting, you know, that that uh, improbable lottery win or something like that, mm. where, you know, you, you go a little bit viral, right? That is super insane, man. That that yeah, is awesome. Cool. It's uh, it is funny because uh, a few months back, actually, I mean, I don't think anything's going to come of it or came of it ultimately. But uh, I had done this fan art of the Phantom, um, mm. and you know, some of you may know who the Phantom is. Some of you may not. Your parents definitely would, and definitely your grandparents as well. Is this the Phantom that I always see a particular artist in our group posting about? Yeah, that's him. That's him. <laughs> I'm okay. a big Phantom fan. Right, actually, think, uh, who was the actor that did the movie? Actually, um, uh, uh, Billy Zane. Uh, Billy, Billy Zane. Right, yep. right, right. Okay, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, right the Phantom. Uh, he was. <laughs> man, I don't know how much you know about the Phantom, but he's actually quite significant when it comes to the superhero comic book genre. He really was the original superhero who, um, he, you know, all like the Batman's and the Supermans, all their outfits are kind of based on the skin tight uh, outfit. And oh. the, the white eyes, that kind of stuff. The undies, the undies cool. over the tights. All, all right. began with the Phantom. So do you know when he was first created? Oh, man, so so long ago. Um, <laughs> you probably look it Because I kind of had him in the the Zorro time, for, like in my mind. Do you know what I mean? I, got, mm. I remember Zorro coming from like turn of the century type of stuff. And I thought, okay, Phantom mm. is kind of like the western equivalent or whatever you know the spy type of guy or something i i I didn't really honestly look into him that much but i figured he was kind of like the non-cowboy zorro pretty much in in a way (laughs) which which makes it sound really sad i guess i'm sure he was more than that oh he rode a horse yeah him and zorro had a little bit we did ride a horse okay (laughs) but uh you know i mean the funny thing is i probably am such a fan even though he is kind of a little bit older because that's all we really had here in, in Australia, good old Australia, uh, when I was a kid. <laughs> it was the, the cheapest comic that you could buy. It was in the newspapers as well. They had a Phantom comic strip. So I was kind of introduced oh. to it very early on. I mean, it's all really that my the, the amount of money that my parents were prepared to fork out for a comic book. So that's all I got. <laughs> got you the Phantom. 
And uh, I remember actually, um, every time I lose a tooth, my mum would get me a phantom book. So, you know, <laughs> I was like every other kid trying to pull my teeth out so I could get that next issue. Right on. Um, but uh, cool. I didn't know that was one of your formative things, man. Yeah. I, I knew about uh, the image guys and everything, and yep. uh, uh, Capullo and and Finch and stuff. But I didn't know the Phantom. Yeah, dude, it got was, you going. It was the Phantom, and then Spawn. But uh, okay, so back back to the story. Well, Spawn was way later, though, right? Like Spawn. Yeah. When did he hit? Uh, somewhere around 1990 or oh, something yeah. like that. He was it? early 90s. I mean, he was the flagship superhero for the Image comic book company at the time. So right, right. That was pretty cool. Um, so anyway, being a Phantom fan, I did a, a Phantom fan art, and mm. the guys who published the Phantom comic book here uh, reached out to me, and I'd seen their email like a week late because I just never checked that particular inbox that they, they reached out to me oh. on. And um, yeah, they were like, you know, we really love your work, and it'd be great if uh, we could do some something together. And and, uh, and how was that late? What do you mean? Like it, it can still happen. Well, yeah, it can still happen. I, I did get back to him, and at the time, I was pretty deep in superheroines, so I kind of um, said, "Look, you know, I'll be more available after m- March." So, March tenth. Yeah, March tenth. That's what I said. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and maybe I missed that opportunity because of that. You just never know. These guys are fairly quick to find someone else if they can't you know, <laughs> nail you down. So, but hey, I mean, it just goes to show that doing fan art can actually lead somewhere if it's a uh, kick-ass it enough. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't know if, I think I mentioned it on this podcast before, but like Marvel recruited me off of my fan art, right? No so, way. Really? Yeah. I, I, I didn't, I don't really put it out there that much. You've never but, mentioned uh, this before. <clears throat> no. Okay. Well, I'm kind of hesitant to mention it because I haven't been paid anything yet. So, right. um, All right. I was doing a Comic-Con, and uh, uh, C.B. Sabowski was there uh, taking portfolios, right? Mm-hmm. And so some of my buds were submitting portfolios for review. Like, he was he was doing a bump on stage and saying, this is what's good, this is what needs work, blah, 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 right? And so then my buddies are like, well, why don't you give them something? I'm like, what the hell do I got on my table? I've got uh, a bunch of prints here, right? And they're like, well, just give it to them, right? So I'm like, whatever, right? So I gather about 10 prints together. And, and really, these are just pinups, mock covers type of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly Marvel characters, uh, copyright. You're a big um, Marvel fan. Because uh, uh, I'm a huge fan, right? And then uh, I gave him in, and he didn't review it on stage, right? And I was like, okay. Well, I didn't really care because I was busy. My table was smoking mm. that, that con, right? So I was just like, whatever. I, I didn't even know if he did or not, right? Mm. My buddies came to me later. They're like, oh, he gave us this feedback and all that. Blah. And I was like, oh, good for you, blah, blah, And they said, oh, and he said he wants to talk to you. No and way. Like, That's mad. I was like, oh, cool. Okay, cool. And this might have been Saturday or something. I can't remember. And then uh, Saturday went by. Didn't see him, hear him, nothing, right? Sunday went by and, I, you know, I'm just in the, in the, the selling mode, right? The hustle, right? Mm-hmm. And then Sunday I'm packing up, uh, packing up my gear and everything, right? And like breaking down the table and throwing out garbage and everything, right? And CB Sabelski comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, I've been meaning to talk to you. I was like, ah, I figured you already left. He's like, no, 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 no. I wanted to come talk to you. And uh, he goes, I love your stuff. I want to work together with you and stuff. Let's do something together. So, so he cool. gave me the contact, and I'm in contact with the Marvel uh, talent management team and all that kind of stuff. And so yeah. that was just off of fan art cover work. No, no panels, cool. nothing like that. Um, so people that say it, you, it'll never happen is untrue. I think oh, yeah. if you want to work for Marvel, I think it's probably better if you have panel work and everything like that and everything right but it could happen uh, look at stanley lau and i'm not comparing myself to art germ here but you know art germ gets tons of alternate cover work just from pinups right and that's yeah, that's his thing right and marvel keeps giving him work right so yeah i'm just saying it's and disney or uh, dc does as well right so um it's just it's a possibility and yeah that's Pinups got me, uh, at least got me in contact with Marvel and stuff. So that was quite cool. Yeah, well, ESJ Scott Campbell is kind of the same in that aspect. And Elias Chustas, I think that's his, how you pronounce his name, also another pinup artist who, 
you know, these guys do a lot of really cool stuff and uh, they yep. do get work from it. It's, it's pretty great. You know, they're well known and I, I think you you totally hit the nail on the head there when you said that, you know, people who say that it'll never happen are totally full of crap, especially these days because it's, the reality is, in fact, that you can indeed make it happen. All you got to do is just put in the time and get good enough, right? It is really yeah. just... It's physics, you know, like you, you got to be aware of where your shortcomings are with your art, make sure that you address them. You know, in a year, if you just practice and practice and practice and practice, and you're being aware of, you know, again, where those areas for improvement are, you're just yeah. going to, you're going to develop your skills on a whole other level of, of speed, right? And it yeah, doesn't... I'm not going to say practice. I think practice is great. Like we see mm. some guys doing like 365 challenges type of thing. And I think practice for the sake of practicing will get you growing. That's it. Guaranteed. That's it. But I think a concerted practice, like something like, like you said, noting where your weak points are and stuff like that. Yeah. Listening to some really strong artists that you might uh, respect or will give you solid feedback and stuff mm-hmm. and focusing on those areas. Like, yeah. um, you know, I've had certain spurts of, I think all of us have certain spurts of growth, right? And some of those spurts were just me sitting down and having Christmas holidays off and two weeks of pure drawing or something, right? Yeah. But other times it's been like, you know what? I, I took this course and I had an epiphany. I never looked at color theory the same way after or something. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it it can be, uh, sometimes it's random. Sometimes it's it's really focused on what you what you need in front of you big time man that's exactly it it is it is really interesting as well because I, I think there is something to be said about being a perfectionist in that regard kind of helping you out in a way because mm-hmm. you know being a perfectionist is really you being self-critical of your work and that can be a good thing in the beginning because you certainly want to be honing in on those mistakes and you want them to be visible to you when you're developing your skill sets so that you can address them and move on from them. If you're blind yeah. to them and, you know, you, yeah, I don't know if ego is the right word because I think you have an ego regardless. You know, if you're self-critical, you have just as big of an ego as someone who doesn't notice their mistakes at all. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you kind of maybe think that you're all that or aren't really concerned with the level of quality that your work is, then you are going to miss every opportunity to develop your skill and, and get better, right? Because you don't get better from what you're doing right already or what you think you're doing right. Yep. Yeah, yep. man. I hear you, man. I hear you. Totally. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, dude. And uh, <laughs> I think, um, you know, when you develop your skills and you get to that higher tier level, where you know you, you really should be focusing on you know how to convey a story how to convey a message within your artwork that's when you want to let go of the perfectionism mm-hmm. a bit more and be less analytical i would argue just because at that point if your brain has like here's the thing whatever your brain learns it kind of gets good enough at it and it stores it away but if you start to become self-critical of that function that you've already learned then all of a sudden your brain will start second guessing what it's learned and that's when you start to choke that's when you start to stumble i'm yep. sure you've experienced yep. that as well right like you can really psych yourself out if you start to think too hard about something that you're already competent at and i know that that just happens all the time with oh, yeah. my drawing <laughs> you know i'll be great at drawing yeah, eyes sure. totally right i'll be i'll be drawing eyes yeah. and, and from all different kinds of angles but the moment i sit down to do like a tutorial where I'm breaking down yep. the process, that's when I yep. do my worst artwork. Yep. Yeah, for me too. I'll be like, you know, I'll, I'll practice it out and I'll be like, oh, yeah, these are boss and stuff I get. And then something just happens where, yeah, I start winding myself up too much in it and stuff. And then I'm like, <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? You know, this this did not go, where did I go wrong? You know, I have yeah. to back it back out and say, okay, well, you know, uh, you know, it, it was just my head. I, it, was, it was messing with me. Yeah, how do you, so how do you cope with that stuff, man? Like, what's your kind of method for getting past that? Do you just kind of take a break for a little while and step back from it? Maybe spend a few days kind of doing something else and disconnecting, or is there some kind of mind Jedi mind trick that you're able to do that kind of turns you around? Uh, you know, I don't usually take a break unless life makes me take a break. Yep. Um, you know, and 
here's the way I see it both with art and with the gym is like I schedule myself five days a week of work, mm-hmm. five days a week in the gym or whatever and stuff I get um, because I know that in reality I might only hit it four days a week or something like that because okay. I know life is going to throw a doctor's appointment at me. Life is going to throw a call from my daughter's school or something, you know, like life is just going to throw this stuff at me. Right. So, so I don't really put many breaks in that way. Like I don't say, Oh, you know, for me, it's just like, okay, back it up, look Mm -hmm. at it and get back in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I'll just like, you know, it it might be a, a, a two minute break, like go to the kitchen and, you know, shake it off or whatever and stuff I get. But, Mm. um, it's not like, the only time I take extensive breaks are if I'm injured or um, sick or vacations or something like that. Like, because um, if I do that just because of a mental rut, I feel I'm now setting myself in a new uh, mental pattern. Oh yeah, so I'm, dangerous. I've let that mental mental hit knock me off that horse, and then I just wandered the field. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And and I'm cool with wandering that field because sometimes I need to wander the field. You know, I, I need to get, like I said, go on vacation, whatever it is. I need to take that time off. Right? Mm-hmm. But if it's because I got knocked off the horse and I didn't get back on it, then it's really easy to just step away. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But, and we know this. How many people have done this, uh, you know, uh, every February? Because January is sign up at the gym membership, right? Yep. And then every February is uh, everybody's falling off that horse, right? Yeah. There you go. And so for me, no, if I'm getting hit by the horse, if I'm getting knocked around and stuff like that, I make sure to get back up right away, back on it and plug through it because I know that my next break that I'm going to need is going to happen whether I like it or not. Like I said, like, Mm. you know, something something in life is going to pop up that I've got no control over. But if I've got control over this, Mm. then I better control it. How does that sound? Is is that different from yours? No, I think that's cool. It it is kind of this acceptance almost that inevitably things are going to go wrong and you're just going to have to adapt to those situations and you know there's a reason that they say those who are able to best adapt are going to be the strongest who keep on going no matter what um for me and uh this is actually a, a really uh present topic because relevant topic um just because uh, as you know, like I've been having some trouble recording, um, you know, some of the lessons that I've been doing for this superheroines course, and right. uh, you know what the funny thing is, man, and this goes for my art sometimes as well, is that there will be some uh, narration that takes me, uh, you know, a rather extended amount of time to do. I just struggle the whole way through it. I can struggle with my art. I can struggle with anything that I do. And yep. then there are other times when I get it done in a fraction of the time. It goes smooth. I have fun doing it. It's fantastic. And I feel great afterwards. And um, those are the best classes for the students, I bet, too. Those are the best. And they sound <laughs> yep. the best. And yep. you're just not worried about it. Yep. yep. Um, and it's so funny because you would think that the one that you're paying more attention to, that you're really analyzing and being self-critical with, would be the one that turns out better. But that's not the case no. at all. It's almost like... No. You have to let it go. You have to let those mistakes happen. And for yep. me, that was the biggest wake-up call, right? What allowed me to just move on and move past and get into that state where I was in flow, where it was just happening at its best and I was enjoying the process, was allowing those mistakes to happen and simply moving on from them as fast as possible. So you know, whenever I fumbled on what I was saying during the narration, Instead of stopping the recording and then going back to do the entire thing again, I'd simply fumble and then I'd repeat the word that I fumbled on and I'd just keep on going as fast as possible, keeping that momentum happening. Um, Cool. You know, same with an illustration. You just erase the area that you kind of messed up on and you keep on going. You keep on pushing forward. Now, so you go back and edit that out then? Yeah, of course. You go back and you you edit it out. But here's a funny thing. You make less mistakes anyway when you you do it that way. Yeah, because yeah, you, yeah, right. you allow yourself to get into the zone. And I've put a lot of thought yeah. into this, Ed, actually. Um, I believe what happens is that, you know, when you get into that state of flow and you make a mistake, all of a sudden you're kind of jerked out of that state of flow, right? Yep. All of a sudden you've made a mistake. So you're not kind of, yep. you know, just fluid with it. Um, and so you, in order to get back into that flow as fast as possible, you want to just move on. 
right? But if you dwell on it and you keep on repeating that, that thing that you messed up on or you throw out the entire thing and you do it again, it almost like reinforces that experience of messing up, right? And totally. that's why when you get to a specific place in whatever you're speaking, if you're doing a narration or if you, you know, you're doing your artwork, like, you know, you just, you always screw up on drawing hands or eyes, right? It's like yeah. you always will continue to because it's been reinforced in your brain that that's just what happens. That's what you do when you have a, a, an experience which is similar. Yep. Yeah. You just get so tense when that part comes up, right? I got one part that I, I couldn't come back from, though. I uh, I recorded a class, you know, a unit of one of my courses and stuff, mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, boom, finished. And I looked, and my mic was on mute the whole time. Oh, yeah. That is the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? Uh, nothing I can do, man. Yeah. I had to, had to go back and redo it. Man, I had a very similar experience as well. I just, I forgot to hit the record button. I'd read through yep. the entire script and oh, man, the last thing you want to do is to redo that, right? Yeah. Especially yeah, yeah. after you've just, you know, just forgotten to hit the record button or to switch the microphone on. Crazy, huh? Well, especially because me and friend, right, how we break down our courses, I'm a bullet point and uh, do it from the fly. You're mm. a scripted guy, right? Yeah. And so um, for me, redoing it means redrawing that entire thing yes. because I, I record it as I draw, right? So, I, I, so what I tried to do was just do what you did. I always said, okay, well, you know what? I've got it all drawn out here. I can see the video processing and all that kind of stuff, right? So I'm just going to do what Clayton does and script it out. Mm -hmm. No, I couldn't do it, man. It, it was it was killing me. It slayed me. I was like... That didn't work for you? I, I kept tripping over myself and I was like, oh, 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 and here, yes, I drew this line here. You know, like I just, mm -hmm. I couldn't do it, man. So I was like, you know what? It's, it's quicker, uh, painless, less painful at least to, to just redo that whole section, right? Yeah, totally. And that's what I ended up doing. Yeah, big time. Kept it in my style. It, it's really hard to keep it in sync after the fact as well. Like when you've redrawn it to make sure that what you've scripted out kind of matches up with what's happening on the screen. It's it's a yeah. nightmare. It's a horror show, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The only thing I can script is like short little intro videos or mm. slides or something like that, but not when I'm drawing. When I'm drawing, I'm just kind of like, it's it's almost like a live feed, I guess, yeah. which, which is funny because I get that's my mental block is I get really messed up if I try to draw live. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like in front of an audience or something like that, that bothers me. Right. But yeah. in all my courses, I'm actually drawing live. <laughs> it's, it's really weird. I just, it's just, I guess that secondary reassurance that, Oh, if mm. I really muck this up, I can edit it out later or something like that. Right. Totally. Um, so all of my courses is me doing it basically it's it's almost like a live it is just a live recording right well you, you've kind of taught art to people before right like live like in person yeah but that's a little different you know because you're on a whiteboard um yeah. in front of the class you know you're roaming the class you know being a, a classroom instructor is different than sitting there in front of it well 10 20 30 40 people are sitting there watching your every stroke yeah. <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? Like, it's a different feeling. Whereas in like a classroom, I can like, okay, I just get up, and I do a little doodle on the board. I'm like, okay, this is how we break down this. This is where how we approach and stuff like that. And they're not expecting anything beautiful out of my whiteboard thumbnails. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, once in a while, I'll draw something kind of cool, but most of the time, it's like Stickman A is closer to us than Stickman B. Why? You know, like. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? You know, like whiteboards yeah. are pretty forgiving and as in low expectations, right? Yeah, totally. It, it is really funny, actually. And, and I wonder, how, I think... That how would, do you run your classes? I, I run them um, on do a Do you projector. run your classes like off of... Uh, oh, okay. That's why. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually doing what, what you are doing. I'm drawing live and, you know, I'm putting together an entire illustration and kind of talking my way through it. But, um, oh, you that's know, why, yeah. I, I, I like that experience, man. And if I had a faster internet connection where I could stream like a, a 1080p, like high quality video without lag, I'd totally like yep. do it more often because, you know, what I was talking about before with, you know, having the opportunity to be a perfectionist is really what holds me back. So when I'm drawing live right, yeah. 
and I've got all those people watching, it's like, okay, show's on, man. Like, you have no choice yep. but to get it done and, and to, you know, do the best that you can in that moment because that's all you can do. There's no redos, right? So right, right, right. I wish I could do that more often, honestly, man. I've even kind of contemplated the idea. I'm like, man, do I need like to pay somebody to like just sit next to me while I do this stuff so that, you know, I've got that person, you know, looking over me, making like, you know, because when you... Honestly, you'd, I think you'd get more done. Like, I, I probably I think would. would finish a, a heap bunch more, you know, like, yeah, I, I could really imagine you getting tons accomplished that yeah. way. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And I think oftentimes I'm a bit like you, Ed, you know, when I'm demonstrating something, I want the artwork that I'm demonstrating to be killer. Like I want it to be a finished illustration. Finished illustrations sure. take yeah. lots and lots of time. There have been times when I've spent 34 hours on the inks of an illustration. Other times I've spent eight hours. Sure. But even eight yeah. hours is a very long time for you to record that, to keep on talking about it for eight hours and then to have someone actually sit there and watch it and take it all in, right? It's it's kind of impractical in a way. And so, yep. you know, it, it is kind of tough to do that. So it's part of me wonders, well, you know, would it be such a bad thing to just kind of do a whiteboard style demonstration where, you know, maybe you're just keeping it rough, you know, you're sketching things out on the fly, you're showing how all the muscles fit together and, you know, how the features sit on the face, the construction process, etc., um, you know, would that be such a bad thing? Would people really care? And, you know, from my experience, when I do go down that route, they don't seem to care. In fact, they almost enjoy it better because they can kind of see that, you know, that really rough, like gritty, like behind the curtains look at how you go about constructing the beginnings of an illustration that ultimately will become finished. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with you, but I don't think... It's the same as the performance thing that we talked about earlier. You know, I think people are happy just watching it all play out in front of them and stuff, right? It's it's us as artists that get all twisted up in it and stuff, right? Um, Absolutely. Y- yeah, like, yeah, you know, it's a fair assessment when you said, uh, I guess now when I think about it, how long it takes me to actually draw a figure, you know, mm. if I'm doing a commission or whatever, even if it's just a, a single character commission, mm. you know, from start to finish. I can get pretty quick on it, but I don't think anybody would want to sit there the entire process. You know, like that's yeah. that's a pretty long process. And I've seen like uh, other guys, like um, I think it was I was watching Robert Marzullo's uh, one of his recent tutorials, and it was something like a, a character or a page start yep. to finish, right? I think this is what it is, right? Mm. And uh, he really did a page start to finish. And no way. I swear it's probably 15, 20 hours worth of video content or something. Do you know what I mean? And he just, he cuts it every, I want to say every 20, 30 minutes or something like that. He breaks it up and stuff like that. And it's well, you know, it's, it's, it's well done, but imagine sitting through that whole thing. And I don't know if he recorded, I I can't imagine he recorded in one shot, but maybe, Mm. maybe he had a good day and he did or something. Yeah. yeah, It's it's a, it's a long process right you know like and and so part of that is i don't want to even confuse the students to say listen like you know uh that's why some of those sped up videos bother me you know Mm. like i know some people really like them but uh for me as a teaching tool it's like no you know what i want to show you that the reality of how long this takes getting through you know even though like i'm i'm running into this now with my perspective unit is like listen i'm drawing an entire city block Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's going to take me oh, 20 whatever hours. I'm not going to put that into the unit. I'm going to make it an hour's worth right yeah. in the unit. So I've got a choice. Do I speed it up? Mm-hmm. Or what I actually have chosen to do is just draw bits and pieces of it. Okay. Say, okay, here's my rough. Here's the pieces that I think that are interesting for you as a student. And then here's, if you follow the continuation of it, here's the final version, here's the colors, that kind of stuff. Okay, awesome. Because I honestly think that uh, even sped up, let's say I speed up, like I do, let's say it's 20 hours, and <laughs> I speed up uh, 19 hours of it, I, I don't think the student would come a, away with anything out of that. Like watching sped up 19 hours would be, mm. you know, it was just like, 
what the it, it it wouldn't what would you get out of that right and and to watch it for any amount of time would just be mind blowing right like it, it just I don't uh, so instead I choose of what I'm going to teach you know I, I I I pay particular attention to where I think students might get tripped up you know um, might need to know where to start to mm. have to like start in the right direction for it and stuff like that mm. rather than the entirety of it all right. Yeah, that, that's really interesting, that man. Yeah, and I, I love that we've kind of brought this up because this is a bit of a debate even between us because, you know, as you know, the, the superheroines course was time-lapsed and I went down that route. Um, and right, one, right, right. One of the yep. reasons I did that was because for me, when I was learning how to do this stuff, and I've talked about this before, but David Finch's courses on the Gnomon Workshop, um, particularly his illustration one and Stephen Platt's as well, they were all kind of sped up, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of the courses from back then were, you know, you had um, the Massive Black courses as well who taught concept art and they were all sped up. And, you know, for me at the time, I actually learned a ton from it. It taught me most of what I know. So the experience of being a student without being an instructor, you know, kind of having them separated in that way, it's, it's very interesting to kind of, you know, as instructors now talk about you know what we think might work and what might not work for the student um have you ever kind of taken a course where you genuinely kind of sat down and it was maybe time lapsed or maybe you could kind of compare and contrast here maybe it was like you know a full you know real-time video what was most beneficial to you what what did you get out of it what's your experience has been you know, I think I mentioned before that I took education in university and stuff, right? So yeah. my my biggest takeaway from that was that we're all different learners, right? Mm. And so for me, I have taken courses that are time-lapsed. I've taken courses or watched videos that are like one-to-one time ratio, right? Yeah. And I'm going to say, like, I enjoyed your course. I remember your proportions one. Um the fact that your lesson about uh, the rule of eight just blew my mind. Like it was just like I I had heard that about a million times before, but the way you broke it down was just really easy for me yeah. uh, to get into and stuff like that, right? And even though your videos are time lapsed, your uh, narration is you know reasonably tempoed and everything that is easy enough to follow and stuff, yeah. right? Um, but generally speaking, if you give me an option between a time lapse lapsed video or watching Jim Lee sit there explaining it step by step as mm-hmm. he does every stroke and he, he talks about it and stuff like that, I'll take the step by step because that's how mm. it, it works for me now. Um, and that's how I make my courses, you know, and it's funny because like, let's say there's a hundred students in front of us and me and you both have a course and yours is time lapsed and mine is like, <laughs> you know, that's slow-mo <laughs> almost, right? Yeah. Good for them. Because good for those students, because maybe, you know, 50% want it faster, 50% want it a regular pace yeah. or something like that. It gives the student the better option to say, hey, this is how, and they might not even consciously know it. They just yeah. subconsciously say, hey, uh, this this makes more sense to me, right? They, they just explain it. Oh, I like this style. They, they don't know what it is necessarily, whether it's, you know, the, the time-lapse nature or other, other mm. factors or anything like that, right? But in my opinion, it just, the more the merrier, it gives the students a, a lot of choice and stuff, right? Yeah. The other thing that I'll add to that is, though, you've been a classroom instructor and I've been a classroom instructor and there's no time-lapsing going on there, right? We have to, mm. we have to fill up that 50 minutes or, <laughs> or two hours, whatever it is, and we have to manage our time well, mm. do you know what I mean? And so that's the pattern that I'm used to as an instructor so that's what I bring into the classes right and so uh, for better or worse that's how I run it that's very interesting man um you know and and so you look at it different or what uh yeah I mean I, I I guess you know you're going to justify whichever approach you take as an instructor well in anything you do really but you know my view Ed is that um, I can definitely see from your point of view where the value is, and I do agree with it. On the other side of that, I also agree with uh, the point of view that, let's take superheroines, for example, right? 
what are the ingredients that go into, say, the inking lessons within that video? Now, there's three different superheroines that are covered within that different aspects. So, you know, how to, say, ink and render drapery, how to ink and render chrome metal, how to ink and render, um, you know, black kind of leather materials. Now, right. the ingredients that it requires you to know about in order to execute that is how to crosshatch. And what are the ingredients when it comes to cross-hatching, when it comes to rendering, let's say? Well, you know, you do you do a single hatch, right? And then maybe to do a cross-hatch, you do a hatch over the top of that. It creates the grid. You kind of get that. Um, you know, and then the shadows and the line weights are other aspects. They're the ingredients that go into inking. Mm -hmm. And so my view of it is that each aspect of the process really only needs to be demonstrated maybe once, two times, three times before you get it right? Because yeah. the process yeah. itself is actually quite repetitive. Really, once you know yeah. what the ingredients are, you're just watching me redo what it is I'm doing on the screen over and over again. I lay down yeah. one, two, three, then hundreds of cross hatches in order to get something rendered. But you really only have to know how to lay down one hatch to get it, um, if you know what I mean. So that's kind that's of where, yeah. where I justified it for myself. I'm like, well, you know, if I'm rendering... Uh, this character, whether it's coloring, whether it's inking, or, or shading, or any aspect of the process, if I show them once, do they really need to see it re real time, right? Um, because even in a sped up capacity, mm -hmm. you can get bored, right? Because your brain loves novelty. It, it hates monotony more than anything else. Yep. Um, you lose yep. interest then. So I figured that if I could kind of show what was required in a number of different ways, so it wasn't just hatching, you know, um, one material it was it was how to ink and and hatch you know multiple different types of materials you know blonde hair red hair black hair you'll notice that they're all different yep. in in various ways um maybe i can keep people's interests but still tell them what they need to know in order to execute you know the the primary ingredients they need to execute in whatever way they want i right. hear you i hear you yeah yeah it just it's a matter of like uh it's interesting you know, isn't it i'm a horrible inker inker so it's hard for me to you know compare how i would approach inking uh a class mm. compared to you or whatever um but i think almost the exact same way is i would look at what are the key fundamentals and i would cover those fundamentals but i think what you do when you cover those fundamentals is you uh you also show the finished piece like you're like hey listen i'm covering the fundamentals and here's a kick-ass piece of artwork <laughs> totally. i guess my my courses yeah. are like hey i'm covering the fundamentals and here's a well it's an okay piece of artwork you know like yeah. I, I don't really i'm not putting out something because most of my courses are just about covering fundamentals totally so far, right man. so so i haven't run into that although i am running into that in this perspective unit and that's exactly mm. where i ran into that massive wall of a choice speed it up or um, you know, do it different, right? And so I'm doing it a little bit different, but it, it was just a choice, right? Totally, man. It, you know, I love talking about this stuff because it, it is very interesting. I mean, it's it's like anything else, I guess. There's so many ways to approach it, so many instructors, so many students out there. And sure, I guess what we should do is just ask the audience listening, you know, leave a comment in the, in the uh, comment section below. What do you prefer when it comes to learning this stuff? Um, do you right on. Yep. do you stay interested with long form content, or do you get more out of it, or do you prefer you know the the sped up more concise approach? You know what is it that that you enjoy most, and that you get the you see the the results from within your work at the end of the day? Or I'm gonna toss in the third option. Yes, text based like uh, text based stuff like uh, either oh, yeah. a book or an online tutorial that's mm. just just text and images, right? Very, very good. I mean, we have plenty of those on the site. Um, actually, I'll, right. I'll use that as an opportunity to kind of make a little bit of an announcement here. We've just That's published a, a massive, and I'm talking about an 11,000-word guide for beginner comic book artists who want to know how to make their first comic book on the website. And you can check it out now at howtodrawcomics.net. Um, and I believe the, uh, the other part of that URL is uh, making comics. So oh, it's cool. howtodrawcomics.net slash making comics, forward slash making comics. But either way, they can find it. If you go to howtodrawcomics.net, it's in the tutorial section, right? Yeah, so it's man. a drop-down menu, and you can see tutorials, and there's tons of great uh, free uh, yeah. resources there for everybody. Totally. Uh, I'd like to see more people 
take advantage of them. I'm, you know, there's, oh, yeah. there's tons of great stuff up there. So much good stuff. And, you know, it is really an amazing guide. And, um, yeah, I hope you guys check it out. But we're at an hour, Ed. We're a little bit over an hour, actually. We've kind of, um, we've really filled up this hour with a lot of really interesting topics, I think. it's Yeah, right on. I don't know how we're going to summarize the hour, like how you <laughs> would do it in a description, what, what we covered and stuff like mm. that. But uh, It was a mixed bag. I'm glad I survived that I didn't, you know, cough all over the microphone or anything <laughs> like that. Kinda, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> although I'm starting to feel it now. Like know, I don't want to catch anything. The sinuses. And Rick didn't get to join in. I'm guessing he's still sleeping. Yeah, he's he must still be sleeping. But he will most certainly, hopefully, be back uh, next week. So we're going to do this a bit more regularly from now on. Um, you cool. know, every Monday or Tuesday. I'm hoping Monday we'll try to get a new episode out for you and it'll be back to normal. So we're yeah. really looking forward to it. Ed, thanks up, so man. much for being here, man. It's, it's been absolutely awesome and a pleasure as always. Thanks for having me, man. This was, it was fun. We hadn't chatted in a little while and stuff. We both were kind of underwater with a lot of stuff going on and everything. So it was good to catch up. Totally, man. Always happens with that hustle we were talking about before. Um, and uh, to the listeners who have joined us for another episode, thank you so much for being here with us. It's been absolutely awesome. Until next time, keep on practicing.